This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Thank you, Jesus. This is the day that the Lord has made. Very good. I'll give you another chance. This is the day that the Lord has made. Very good. It's wonderful to actually declare. Hey, Renee. Actually declare. You made this day, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it because you've laid up good works in advance for us to do today. You, you, have, uh, you have made this for us, and I'm going to enjoy it. It's like a present from you. And I like to make that declaration when I wake up in the morning. I just like to declare, God, you made today. This is the day that you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Because who knows, you know, there's circumstances and your emotions, how much sleep you've had would all like to dictate what sort of day you're going to have. But God says that He wants to be your help, and, uh, and you can make a declaration. Okay, listen up. This is what's going to happen. Today I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in this day that you've given. Hallelujah. And there's a power that comes when we line up our words uh, with His will. And so we've got to be careful. That's why I love to pray the, pray the Bible. I love to pray the Word of God. Um, Pastor Chris was talking about the Jabez prayer. And, you know, that, that is so powerful and so real to me. Um, it's one of many prayers that I pray. Uh, because I know that when I'm asking according to the will of God, I can have what I'm asking. Hallelujah. And I, in faith, I can receive it and, and have it. And so I pray, I pray that prayer over my life, over my ministry, over my books, over my family, over the church, over the churches, uh, over the network. And I tell you, God delights to answer us. He really does. And I get specific with it. And I begin to imagine what it's going to look like. And by faith, I receive it. I get excited about praying it. And, you know, I pray, uh, and I've prayed for many years, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21, that the Holy Spirit would supernaturally strengthen me on the inside, that there'd be supernaturally ways that He would reveal His love to me so that I would truly come to know and experience and ha actively be aware that Christ is in me, the hope of glory, that He's dwelling in me through faith, and that I would know and experience the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of God that passes human understanding, that I'd be supernaturally empowered to actually begin to, to comprehend this love that is more than we can physically or humanly handle. And the Bible says that His perfect love casts out fear. So who doesn't need to pray that we would increasingly know the love of Christ because it's in that place that He wants to calm all our fears, that He wants to uh, release hope to us, that He wants to activate hope so that He can do exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask, hope or imagine. Hallelujah. And uh, so it's a powerful, powerful tool. I love to pray Revelation chapter 3 as well. Um, I've been praying that recently. You can pray anything in the Bible. Just begin to ask God, begin to speak it out to Him. 
I've been praying, God, I don't want to consider myself rich and full and having need of nothing. I want to actually be aware of my need of you. I want to be aware that, that I haven't, I, I'm, not, I'm not at a place where I don't need any more revelation, where I don't need any more help, but I, I need your constant help. Father, you are my ever-present help in time of need, that my strength doesn't come from myself. It comes from you, that I need you. Give me eyeself to see and recognize the depth of my need that I wouldn't just coast along, but I'd recognize my heart and my spirits cry to know you more, that I'd be vibrantly aware and awake of my spirit's desire for your company, for your fellowship, that I wouldn't drift off into the doldrums, but that I'd be aware, fully aware, vibrantly awake to the reality of the truth that my spirit longs for you more than I can humanly comprehend. Give me supernatural eye salve to see the truth of what you're saying and uh, the truth of my need for you. And as I do that, I tell you, the fruit is just magnificent. It, it's, it's changing my life. Anybody else praying the Bible? I love to pray the Lord's Prayer. I still have my alarm goes off at midday every day. And um, occasionally I turn it off for conferences. Mostly I don't, and then I, I, I get embarrassed. Or, or Sarah turns it off for me quickly. She remembers, 5 to 12, turn off Pastor Catherine's phone. Um, but uh, Joseph makes sure that it goes back on again for me. He loves to play with my phone. And uh, he's discovered my pin code. So I get all sorts of interesting things pop up on my phone. Um, God bless Joseph. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I love to pray the Lord's Prayer too because it encompasses everything. Our Father, you who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let my life hallow your name today. Let your name in the earth be lifted up. Let the, let the world see and know that you are good. Let your name be lifted up. And you, you could pray for ages just on that, but I go through it piece by piece, and I love to pray uh, the Lord's Prayer. And I would encourage you, the more you, if you, when you start praying the prayers, when you start praying the Word of God, it actually becomes embedded in you. And, and it's the most effective means of uh, memorization, because when you're praying it, it's becoming real. It's not a rote thing, but it, it, uh, it becomes real and powerful. But I want to... Uh, share a word with you today from Hebrews chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. It says here, For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. No, actually, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verse, so it's sometimes a good thing to read past the end of the chapter. And I, I think actually that verse there, Hebrews 11, chapter one, uh, verse one, it, it, it actually makes a whole lot more sense when you read the end of chapter 10. But this magnificent revelation, the just shall live by faith, is the revelation that Martin Luther King had. Uh, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, back in the days of, of the Reformation. I do know my history. Fully aware, fully awake. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 
Martin Luther had this revelation and praise God he did. He was trying so hard to get rid of the feeling that he had that he was not measuring up and that he was not saved. He, want, he was a monk, he was, he was doing everything religiously that he knew how to do, but he couldn't get a feeling or a faith in his heart to believe that he was actually saved. He was so aware of his sin and how, how he was not measuring up. And so he'd go to extremes. He'd go out in the snow and try and, um, and his, his monk brothers would have to bring him back inside before he'd freeze to death because he was trying to punish his flesh in the belief that I, you know, I, I could maybe do something that would qualify me to be able to earn the grace of God. Now, most of us have not gone to that sort of extreme, praise God. But sometimes religious, manifest, religious thinking makes us feel that somehow maybe there's something that I could do to get me to the place where I would be right with God. That maybe if I did this, maybe if I could pray an hour a day, maybe if I could pray two hours, maybe if I could fast, maybe if I could do this or I could do that, I would be able to be right with God. But the problem with that is what Martin Luther found. is like the more you do, the more you realize how far you are. And the truth is that nobody, nobody on the planet has, is able to measure up to the standard of God except one man, Jesus. Hallelujah. He came and he paid the price for us all to be able to be justified just as he is. That is when Jesus came, he came as a man facing all the same temptations that every one of us faced. And then he went and he paid the price for sin by giving his own life. And the Bible says it's because he, he did it for the joy set before him. Do you know what the joy set before him was? It was you. It was you. It was you. For the joy set before him, he endured it because he knew that in doing that, he was going to make a way for you to be able to be in fellowship with Him, that you'd no longer have to be bound by the fear that you are not measuring up to, to God's standard. But He would make a way for us to be born again, that we'd be able to become new creations in Christ. The Bible talks about Jesus as being the second Adam. As in, when Adam fell, all of, all of humanity was just born into sin. So Jesus came as the second Adam. And he says now that anybody that will put their faith on in him, and what that means is those that would actually believe that his sacrifice was enough to pay the price for all of their sin, that we could then by faith understand that when he was crucified, he did it with us in mind and that we by faith are crucified with him, raised up with him, and that we can be born again of the second Adam, Jesus, and born not with a, a sin nature, but born as the righteousness of God in Christ. What that looks like is it, it doesn't make human sense because it means that no matter what you've been living like, you come to him and you say, Lord, God, I recognize that my life has not been pleasing to you. I recognize that I need 
forgiveness. I need a saviour. But it doesn't just beat, it, beat yourself up. I wanna, just want to read a, a, a verse to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. It says here, Paul was writing to the church. And he wrote them a letter saying, hey, look, guys, you're not doing the right thing. And he says here, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. He says, now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so that you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. What Paul was saying is he's saying that You know, when you recognize you've done the wrong thing and you feel bad, oh God, I feel bad about what I've done. He says it's not like um, worldly sorrow that makes you live in regret and continually live in that place of, oh no, I'm terrible, look what I've done, I'm so terrible. He's saying, no, actually when you wake up and you recognize, oh, I've done something, you know, my life is not lining up with the way it should be. Godly sorrow actually leads to repentance, which is a change of heart that says, oh, thank you God because of the grace of God that's not who I am that's not my definition anymore I thank you God that you forgive me of all my sin that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ that I'm not defined by my sin or by by temptation but as I release that to you as I confess my sin you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness you know I, I used to struggle with this so much I'd um I spend my prayer times, I'd get in the car perhaps after meeting somebody and I'd, I'd, I was an expert at beating myself up. I'd get in the car and I'd think, oh, I shouldn't have said that or oh, that, that statement was probably judgmental or arrogant or, and I'd, I'd feel bad about it. But rather than actually let it, you know, bring it to God in faith, I'd be saying, oh Lord, forgive me for this, forgive me for that. And then I'd go on and I'd ask him to forgive me for everything I'd ever done that I could remember again. And I'd spend 90% of my prayer time, oh God, forgive me for that, forgive me, oh God, I shouldn't have done that, oh sorry God, I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that. Until one day, I heard God speak in the middle of my, oh God, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that. He says, okay, I forgive you. I thought, oh, well that's good. And I didn't realize that the Bible says, I didn't realize the truth and I hadn't applied it to my life, that it's by grace we are saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, I missed the, the, the truth that the just shall live by faith. I missed the reality that it took faith to believe that my apology to God, my confession of my sin was actually received and my sin was wiped away and I was clean. That requires faith. And you know what? He gives it to you. So finally, Martin Luther, poor Martin Luther, um, trying so hard to earn the right to be saved and still telling his, his mentors, I still feel like I'm not saved. He'd beat himself, you know, they'd whip himself and all sorts of things, trying to crucify the flesh. 
Then suddenly one day he was reading the word of God and that verse jumped out at him. The just shall live by faith. And he recognized, wow, ah, I am justified not by how much I can beat myself up. I'm not justified by how I perform today. I am justified by the Son of God and what He has done for me. Hallelujah. I am justified by having faith in the work of the cross. That when I think about Jesus, I don't have to think of myself as, oh, you know, I've let you down again. I can look to him and say, God, thank you. You're not disillusioned with me because you never had any illusions about me in the first place. You forgive me for that sin. You give me power to turn from it and to repent. And you call me clean and you call me righteous. And it doesn't have to take three weeks. I used to think, you know, I'd at least have to put myself in the naughty corner for a while. You know, it didn't feel right to be able to go out and expect to be shining and representing Jesus, knowing I'd just done something wrong and a quick sorry. I had no, I had no, no understanding that, that God was waiting for me to believe him. The Bible says that faith pleases God. He's not pleased by your trying to pay for your sin. He's not pleased by you saying, oh, well, you know, I know that you paid the price, but I'm just going to put myself in the naughty corner for a while and beat myself up for a bit because I feel like I need to pay for that a bit too. What that's actually saying is what you've done is not enough. God is looking for us to believe, to live in a place of faith that I believe that you call me righteous. The Bible says that he, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. That when we receive Jesus in that we come to the place where we, we have godly sorrow for a moment and say, oh God, I recognize I need you. I, I've been grieving your heart, but I want to receive you as Lord. I want you to come into my life. I want to become new on the inside. And I want you to forgive me for all of my sin. And by faith, I put my faith in the fact that you are the one, that, the only one that can forgive sin. And that sin is forgiven because you shed your blood. I believe in your salvation. We are saved by grace, through faith. Hallelujah. At that point, we become new creations in Christ. We no longer have the same sin DNA. We become as He is in this earth. Hallelujah. We become clean. We become righteous. And the Bible says, even if your heart condemns you, He's greater than your heart. He's saying, don't let anything exalt itself against the knowledge of the truth of who Jesus is, that He is Savior, He is Redeemer, and He wants you to be actively activating faith every day in the reality of who He is. That when I wake up and I feel, if I feel guilty or I feel, you know, oh, I'm a hypocrite or I'm this or I'm that, that is not the truth. They are thoughts that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who is the Savior, who is now my identity. I have become part of the body of Christ. It's in Him. My life has been hidden with God in Christ, and I've become a new creation. 
And so I was reading this verse today, the just shall live by faith, and just thinking about, you know, it's a classic verse, but what does that look like in genuine application in my day-to-day life? God wants me to live just with an awareness of the reality that I am righteous and I am clean and in a, in a constant reality, a constant awareness that I need to activate faith in the truth of what he said, that I need to live by faith. So, you know, some people, they think, well, I want to spend time with God. I want to be encouraged by God. I want to, I want to pray. But they go to pray and they, they, they're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for an experience or an encounter, and, but they, they just feel like nothing's happening. Anybody ever gone and tried to spend time with God and found like, I don't feel anything and I, I give up? <laughs> that is a perfect opportunity for you to live by faith. God isn't saying the just shall live by experience. God isn't saying the just shall live by encounter. The Lord says the just shall live by faith. That is, that they would live with an awareness, God is with me whether I feel like he is or he isn't. Hallelujah. That he is with me. Every morning I'm in it. Every evening I'm in it. That he is with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. The just shall live by faith. And guess what? I am the just. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of how well I've done. Not because of my performance. But because of my faith in the risen Savior. The only one who was just. Hallelujah. The one who has adopted me into his family, given me new DNA, and says now when he looks at me, you're altogether lovely. It's not humanly fair, because humanly fair says you need to pay for it. But God says, oh, I love justice. I've already paid in full. He, he paid in full for you. And he waits for us not to play religious games and not to get into, fall into the trap of being prideful. And you know what? Pride can mask itself in religious forms. It can look like, well, you know, if I, can, if I could just get, you know, I'll try and give up this habit or I'll try and do that and then, I, then I'll come to God. That's saying that, that you have any strength in yourself to be righteous or just. It's, a, it's the same as going out in the, uh, in the snow and trying to crucify your flesh. You know, the scripture does talk about dying daily, but in the context that Paul was saying, every day I'm facing shipwreck and all sorts of trouble. But it also talks about every day we reckon ourselves dead. That daily we, we don't crucify our flesh by our own efforts, but we come and daily we live by faith. We by faith reckon ourselves dead. I thank you. It's no longer I who live, Lord, but Christ who lives in me, that I'm a new creation in Christ. Lord, that no matter what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, the reality is you say I'm clean, that I'm pure, that I am not condemned, that I am not guilty, that I have no need to be ashamed. You have taken my shame. You've taken my guilt and 
you are my Lord and my Savior and I will tell my soul, listen up soul, this is the truth. Have faith in God. He is good and I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. That's what dying daily looks like. It's not you actually earning your salvation. It's simply yourself aligning your thoughts again by faith to the reality. I'm reckoning, considering myself dead. You died when you gave your heart to Christ. When you were baptized, your old man, your old life was hidden in God. And He has raised you up to newness of life. Hallelujah. When you came to the Lord and you said, you know, God, I need you. I need you to be saviour. When you came to the point that you had godly sorrow, but said, oh, Lord, I, I, I recognise I've not been following you. I've not been walking with you. But have mercy on me. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Where we, where we say, God, I need your help. You know, if you're feeling convicted of sin during the week, you can, be, you can rejoice that your heart has been made new because you wouldn't even feel bad about it if you weren't. And you can say, thank you, Jesus, you've made me new. You've given me your heart that cares about doing what is right. Hallelujah. I've been given a new nature that no longer wants to sin, but wants to do what's right. So instead of getting upset that, oh, I messed up again, rejoice that your heart cares that you messed up. And say, woohoo, this is evidence that I'm new on the inside. Hallelujah. This is the truth. Hallelujah. He's a good God. I tell you what, this is, this is the word of the Lord. He says here, verse 10, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. That is something that happens. There's a point that you need to come to. You can't just, uh, you know, grow up into Christianity. There has to come a point where you have a place where, ah, I recognize I need to surrender and give up. I want to give up myself and my selfish way. And I want to say, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. At that point, you become new. You get saved by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And, as, and then from that moment on, the Bible says here, he says uh, back in Hebrews that if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He is pointing us back to the reality that from that moment on, you have been given power to walk by faith, to walk in an awareness, fully aware, fully awake that when I step out my door, I am no longer a victim. I am no longer defined by my past. I'm no longer defined by anything but by the reality that Jesus Christ saw me as valuable, that He paid the blood of His own precious Son. He gave Him self so I could be in fellowship with him. And this is the truth. I am clean. I am free. I'm created to want to do right. Hallelujah. I have power to live holy. I am just. Therefore, I'm going to act like a son, like a daughter of God. 
This is the power of the gospel. You know, I'm all into encounter. I, you know, I, I have encounters with God all the time, and it's glorious. But if we lived only, oh God, you, you know, when I have an encounter with God, it's generally not, oh, we'll wait and see if something happens. I have it by faith. I have encounters with God by faith. I don't stand there going, all right, got an hour. Facebook notification. All right, I'm still here, waiting. That's not living by faith. Faith says, God, I'm here, and I know you're excited that I'm here too. And I know that you're here and that you are good and, and that you, or everything you did was so that you and I could enjoy each other's company. And God, you are so good. I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of the lamb that's made me clean and righteous. Thank you, Lord, that you are with me, that you are here right now in my room with me. And I thank you, Lord. Help me to read the word today. Would you read it with me? Show me where to go. Show me how to pray and ask Him for help and an awareness of the reality that by faith, I know you're here. I'm communing with you with, by faith. I'm having fellowship with you by faith. Hallelujah. And, and as I wait upon Him in worship, when I come to worship, I am always expecting to encounter God because I know and have faith that His desire is to embrace me more than my desire is to embrace Him. So I'm like, it's worship time. We get to embrace you, Jesus. Father, thank you. And as I sing the words, I am looking with an expectation to see and know more about his nature and his character, to experience him. So God hasn't called us to a sterile theological relationship with God. Sometimes people look at faith and think faith is just cold and hard. Faith is actually the entryway into all the good gooey stuff. It's true. I'll preach to you, Sarah. You and I, we, we know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He made us. He created us. I've been saying this for a few weeks. He created emotion. And he wants to touch your heart. But if you're standing there waiting for something to happen, it's not going to happen because we approach him by faith. Everything in the kingdom is done by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. The just shall live by faith. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, the just shall live by faith. The other really good thing about this, and I want to close with this, is in verse 10, it says here, there is no regret in godly sorrow. That is, God doesn't want us living in regret. The world live in regret. They often then limit themselves and their future to what's happened in the past. Oh, well, you know, I could have been this, but I did this, or this happened, and that divorce happened, or this happened. And they, they define themselves, and they allow regret to rob them of hope for the future. But God says that when we come to Him and we have godly sorrow that leads us to repentance, where we go, oh, thank you, God, that's not who I am. I thank you for power. I turn away from that and I choose to follow you. Uh, then, we then we are pleasing to God. 
Living in regret is another form of you beating yourself up and trying to pay for what only Christ can pay for. It's another form of pride. The Bible says in Isaiah that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. That means that when he went to the cross, he paid for all of our sin by being wounded for us, by being punished for us, by being beaten up for us so that you don't have to beat yourself or anybody else up. Hallelujah. I hope you caught that last little bit. (laughs) Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that your sin could be judged in him, that he could be saved, that you could be saved. And now he says, as I am, so are you in this earth. So are you in the world. And he wants us to go and live by faith, knowing I've been forgiven, therefore I forgive. I've been made clean, therefore I behave new. As he is, so am I. And my behavior reflects the truth of my identity. Hallelujah. The enemy is out to rob your identity. Every day he'll give it a go. That's why the just live by faith. You gotta look in the mirror and say, hey, you, listen up. You're clean, you're beautiful, you're righteous, you're holy. And if your heart goes, hang on, that sounds a bit arrogant, you go, be quiet, soul. This is the truth. You're exalting yourself against the knowledge of Jesus. Jesus says that because of his blood, I am clean, I am pure, I am holy, I am righteous, I am beautiful in his sight. I have been worthy now because of the blood of the lamb to be adopted into the family of God and not just be in the room, but actually be an ambassador for the kingdom. He has anointed and qualified me to preach the good news of the gospel. That requires faith. But if you read the book, I encourage you to read the New Testament, it's very wonderful. He'll tell you the truth over and over and over again. True humility is not saying, oh, well, you know, I don't want to say any of that. You know, I just don't want to have a big head. Truth says, I'm dead anyway. I've been crucified. My whole old, old life is gone. This is the new life. And I don't give God any glory by, by trying to pretend that I don't deserve what He's done. I could never have earned it, but He considered me so valuable that He gave His Son. And now not because of my filthy righteous acts, but because of the righteous act of the Son of God who gave His life for me, I have been made clean. So I will honour Him by having faith in what He's done. And I will say, yes, God, thank you. I am clothed in righteousness. I clothe myself today in the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I clothe myself today with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, not because I've earned that right, but because you earned it for me and it pleases you to give me the kingdom. So God, I'm gonna receive it by faith. I'm gonna reckon myself dead today and I'm gonna live for you because you give me power to do it. Hallelujah. 
It says bread and butter preaching, but I tell you, what would it look like if the whole church, every moment of every day, was aware and awake of the enemy's schemes that would come and whisper in your ear and say, eh, you know, not doing so well this week, are you? You haven't really spent much time in prayer. Pity, you know, you could have talked to somebody. Ah, you call yourself a Christian. That's the voice of the enemy. He's desperately afraid of you exercising faith in your salvation. Desperately afraid. And we buy it as though it's some religious thing. I tell you, it's a religious spirit dressing itself up, trying to deceive you. If he came with horns and said, hey, think this, you'd go, get away. So he comes and makes you try, tries to deceive you. That's his very nature. The only weapon that he has against a believer is deception. So he comes trying to deceive you. And you've got to wake, wake up and recognize, actually, I'm not going to take that. That is not true. This is my identity. I'm not even going to give that time of day. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to remind myself, thank you, God. I'm going to look in the mirror of your face and remember now, hallelujah, you make your face shine on me. You've cleansed me by the blood of the lamb. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am clean. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to walk out in it. I'm going to live from that place today. I am anointed and qualified because of the blood of the lamb. And even if my heart tries to condemn me, he is greater and I will believe the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He is the one that has redeemed me today. Hallelujah. So, Father, we say thank you.